0: Right, so the election is nearly here. I know uh, some of you are so excited about it you can hardly sleep. Right? Would that be w- would that be true? It's just a week away, and and, and I've I've, I've got to say, people keep asking, people keep asking me lots of times, and this happens every election election cycle. Cycle. People keep asking me, Pastor Adam, who do you who do you think we should vote for, or or who who are you voting? For, or what do you what do you think we should what do you think we should do? And I, I can sense there's a little bit of anxiety in the in people at the moment with all that's going going on. And and to be honest, I understand that because I've I've personally found deciding who to give my vote to this election cycle more perplexing than in elections past. And I've I've certainly encountered a lot more feeling and intensity. Around political issues than I've seen or known before. Even, even anger. I had to extract myself from a conversation just last week that was getting quickly out of hand and had become quite heated. And 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 what you know what should have been just a a nice uh, political banter or uh, whatever ended up getting quite. And so I had to I had to extract myself uh, from that conversation before it got out of hand. but there is no doubt that the last few years have left a lot of pain and division in the heart of our nation and we need to be sensitive to that so I, i'm going to just talk about three three things today number one would be should christians be participating in politics or, or in government number uh, number two is like does my vote really uh, really count and then and number three how should we how should we vote? So uh, uh, I'll turn to the person next to you and say, I love talking about politics. Come on. It's just, it's just it's, I know you do. I know you do. You've been looking forward to this all week. So, 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 so number one, should Christians participate in politics or government? The simple answer is yes, absolutely. A quick look through the scriptures, you can, you can see God's people regularly participating and getting involved in government roles, government affairs, and actively engaging and influencing nations and leadership. And in fact, their involvement, God's people's involvement in such things has in fact changed the direction of not, in destiny, not only of their nation, but of other nations. So I think it is important that we get involved. Just to mention a few, well, one would be Joseph. If you look at the life of Joseph, he was second only to Pharaoh in in power. And through his skillful leadership, he saved a nation from starvation. Uh, Moses. He grew up in Egyptian royalty, only to later take on and lobby Egypt's great ruler, the Pharaoh. Moved by the plight and, uh, of his people, when uh, they were in bondage to slavery, and of course, we, he, he coined that famous line: "Let my people." let my people go let my people go used many many times over over the centuries to 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 shout out a similar cry esther at the risk of her own life dared to speak to the persian king on behalf of her own people and save them from what can only be described as a act of genocide David was the shepherd king. Psalm 78 verses 72 tells us as he rules over his people that David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. You can, you can be in leadership and walk with integrity. It tells us that David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. King, king Solomon, his wisdom was known across the world. World leaders uh, gathered and came and sought to hear uh, uh, and sit under his, his, his teaching and to learn skills of, of leadership and wisdom. Kings and queens came from around the world to learn from him. Nehemiah led a campaign to rebuild a broken city. The judges like Deborah and Gideon made a tremendous impact on their nation. And of course, we cannot forget, as Bob talked about last week, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Believers in exile in Babylon, all in positions of governmental leadership. And yes, they went through ups and downs. And yes, they went through trials, but their obedience gave them an ear to the king. And so when I ask that question, should Christians be involved in politics? I I think yes. In the New Testament, the apostle Paul invites us to pray for all things government. Second Timothy 1 verses 3, 1 through 3, you know it. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And Paul says this is good. Everybody say good. Yeah. It's good to pray for our leaders. This is, I mean, we say all kinds of things, but it's good to pray. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our saviour and so i think we should Without and i can give many more examples i think we should participate surely and pray and engage with our political process i i want to say we need way more christians involved in politics thank you for the two who said amen to that i said we need way more christians involved in politics involved in in government involved in local government thank you james for your service how many years were you in local government Fifteen years. Thank you, James, for your service in that. Well done. On local local government here, we've got one of our pastors in our town who's the deputy mayor. We should we should actually get involved. We pray for Lawrence. God bless him and the work that he he does. We, we we I think more Christians need to be involved in local government and civic leadership. And you know, our, see the truth is our sad neglect of that sphere of life has left a void that others with their agenda are only too happy to fill. I I saw this uh, humorous quote, and it's humorous, but it's kind of of true. It it says, when I was growing up, my parents tried to encourage me by saying, dream big. Anyone can become the president. Now that I'm older, I've seen that that's true. Anyone can become president, and it scares the living daylights out of me. Come on, yeah. We need more believers to take a hold of that realm, of that space. And of course, some will say, Pastor, I think faith is a private private matter. It should be kept between me and God. And Of course, when you say that, I, I, my, my response is, what Bible are you reading? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it's, Jesus was clear. He said, you are to be the, the light of the world. You, you're, to be, you're to be the light of the world. A, 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 a town built. Where our faith is not to be hidden away. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't know if you remember that Passage where Jesus was asked by the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day, he was asked whether they should pay taxes to Caesar or not, or should they pay taxes, if you like, to the government or not. You remember that passage, he, he was asked, they were trying to trap him, and of course, Jesus answered in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, by Saying the famous line, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God, what is God's? It's interesting that the Jewish leaders frame the question they ask Jesus either as an either and or question. Is it this or is it that? Is it either or? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Yes or no? Either or. The truth is, though, that Jesus gave an answer that was a both-and response. In other words, God and government are not alternatives, but, but complementary. But unfortunately, many Christians, many Christian leaders have, have taken an either-or. Why, why are there not so many Christians involved in politics? Because many Christian leaders have taken an either-or kind of approach to this whole area rather than a both and on issues of politics. They would say preach the gospel and don't don't get involved. Just, Just preach the gospel. Just do that. Don't do this either or not both, both and. We're to be salt and light and to flavor every area of life. And to be honest, the theology that says Christians should keep out a politics, this, this theology, this, this what I would call a monastery mindset has had serious repercussions. And we have left the public square, the public space, largely unsalted and unenlightened with the light that comes from the gospel. So we surely need more men and women involved in that arena. It would, it would certainly influence, influence outcomes and stem the tide of unrighteousness. And it's, it's not just a job, I think. It's, it's a call and it's a noble, it's a noble call. If you would say, are there any honest people in politics? Absolutely there are. It's not an easy job to be in. And so we should be prayerful for those who are seeking to, to influence and be in that space. I was on a leadership call with our exec team, and actually, a political leader happened to be in the same building at the same same time and we were doing we do these executive meetings like once a once a month where we we uh, um, you know talk to our um exec team and and so so on this call came a political leader who i 'm not going to say who it was but again just shared why. They were getting into politics. Why were they getting into that space? And it was like the last thing they actually wanted to do. And as he he was talking, he began to weep and began to uh, just, he was just being obedient to God in that space. And we were able to take for a moment uh, us from different parts of the nation and be able to pray for him and just pray God's peace and strength as he moves in this, in these times and so so so, we need more and more of that. see if you 're familiar with the story of Esther, you, you know when when Haman 's rule, bad laws are enacted, and when Mordecais rule, good laws are enacted, and i 'm just saying we need more Mordecais. we need more Mordecais at our nation and city gates now i understand ultimately this this world is not our own you you might say well pastor i don't care about all that you know I'm, I'm looking to that heavenly place and i i understand we we have a dual citizenship right philippians 3 verse 20 our citizenship is in heaven it says and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ and I, I, of course our citizenship there is. and i've taught that. Even this year of the church, we have to get a, an eternal perspective. I think we've lost that. Sometimes we, we're, we're now so earthly good, good, we're not any heavenly good. I mean, it's just like we need to have an understanding of God's purpose, God's plan over, over creation and so on and so forth. But I've taught on that, on having an eternal perspective. But that does not mean that we neglect or abandon the present. As I've already said, Jesus taught that we, we have a ministry to the world. We're to be salt and to be light. Come on, I need an amen. It's lonely up here. Come on. We're to be salt and light. It's important. And so we need more Christians to be involved in that space. It is important. We can make a true difference. Christians throughout history who have engaged in the political space have made an incredible contribution as they have participated and engaged for good with the political process. If I think of one thing, abolishing slavery would be one of them. When I talk to Christians who tell me they're not going to vote, or they don't vote, or they never vote, Pastor, I don't get involved in politics, I'm not going to lie, I personally struggle with that position. So what difference, number two, what difference can my vote make anyway? Can it really make, well, pastor, what does it matter if I don't vote? What what difference can my vote make anyway? It's just one vote. Well, can I say this to help you understand how important it is? In 2020 election, 18% of those who were enrolled to vote didn't. I'll say that again, 18% of those who were enrolled to vote didn't. You might say, well, 18%, that's not much. That's not much. Well, actually, if you look at the stats, and there should be a photo there. It's not hard to find. Simple research, you can find it. How, how many people is 18%? Well, that's 655,094 people. 655,094 people. So just to get some perspective of how many people that is, that is the entire population of every man, woman, and child. If you just took a line and you drew it across the island, North Island, just, just, just above Palmerston North, and you took all the bottom half of the North Island, that would be every man, woman, and child who's in that bottom half of the North Island. That's, how many, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who said, well, I'm not going to bother, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to participate in that. And note this, and take a note of those who did not vote, 242,000 of that 600,000 people, 242,000 of them would call themselves Christians. How many people is that? Well, that's the entire population of Wellington City. That's a lot of people. And that's enough votes to make a considerable difference to any election outcome. So, what difference would my vote make anyway? Well, it could make quite, quite a difference. Someone said this: "The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing." Now, this is a quote that's regularly sort of um, given or uh, attributed to Edmund Burke. He was a political thinker, but the truth is he never actually uttered those words. Uh, On my research, I could find at best the essence of the quote can be traced back to the philosopher John Stuart Mill, who delivered in 1867 an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrews, and and here's what he stated, and and I don't know about you, but when I read this, I was like, "This this is so powerful. He said, let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing He is not a good man who without a protest allows wrong to be committed in his name and with that means which he helps to supply because he will not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. Ouch. You know, in my message at conference, I said in the book of Numbers, we find God's people camped. They were camped on what was a large plain? The plain was near the edge of the Jordan River and the promised land was on the other side. The plain where God's people were camped was part of a dry, desolate desert wilderness. They, they had for years been wandering. And the name of that plain where God's people were camped was called Shittim. And I, I want to be clear, that's not from the message or the Passion Translation. That's from the Bible, the ESV that Jesus used. Come on. It was called Shittim. And I understand the word in Hebrew means acacia wood. I I know that for the theologians out there. But as I talk about the biblical place called Shittim, I'm clearly inferring something else, and I do so on purpose and with purpose. And at the conference, I really spoke to the person as us because, because you've got to understand Shittim was a place of compromise. In the Bible if you look it up and you look at look up the end of that verse you you will see that, that 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 whole chapter is about compromise the people of God compromised and so some of you might be in that place of compromise you're doing things that you never thought you you would do living how you never thought you would live and and for you when you think about this you go I am I'm stuck in shit that's what my life feels like but can I say As a nation, if that is you, again, allow God to deal with that, get you out of that place because you're on the edge, the promised land's on the other side. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you as a nation, I think we're living in Shittim. I think we're in a place of compromise that we've never been... As a nation, we're doing things and saying things that 50 years ago we would have never have done, never have said. That's where we're at. We're, We're stuck in that place, that place of that place of column, uh, uh, compromise. And we, we've got to remember, we are what we tolerate. We are what we tolerate. In life, in our circumstances, in our community, in our, our generation, in our nation, we are what we tolerate. And as a nation, we're tolerating things and giving in to things that we would have never done many years ago so my brother and my sister, there is a high cost to low living and that cost will be paid by who? By our children and our children's children. And so we need to get to a place where we've, we say enough of Shittim, enough of this place. To the undecided, this is not the time to do nothing let not one not let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion so how should we vote how should we vote my advice is vote your values not your needs vote your values and not your needs as christians we serve a king Thank you. Thank you, Shane. I said, as Christians, we serve a king, right? I mean, not, not just a king, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And our king's manifesto, if you, if you like, is simply the seek ye first, the kingdom of God. And all these things, all these material and welfare needs, all these things that you need shall be added to you, Matthew 6. 33 but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things all these material needs all these welfare needs Jesus said I'll add to you in fact the whole context of the scripture is don't worry about what you need i'll take care of what you you need your father in fact it says your father in heaven knows what you need The politicians and their parties are all, of course, appealing to your needs. If you elect us, we will do this. We will give you that. We will build this. We will stop that. We will put this in your hand. If you vote for the other party, they will take it away. They'll remove that. So it becomes about what's in it for me. That should not be the Christian's approach. How do I benefit out of this? That should not be the Christian's approach. I mean, people love free stuff, right? And, 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 you know, people could all do with more. There's a lot of need out there, but can I just tell you this? Let's be frank. I mean, I've been around for a while. You've been around for a while. No government will ever meet your needs. They never will. I don't care what they say in, in these election cycles. All they're doing, all the politicians are doing are just offering you lollies to get you in the car. That's it. And I want to say to every Christian here today, don't be so shallow. Don't decide this on what's good for me. Think about our nation. Think about our children. Think about your children and your grandchildren. Think about them. Think about the direction of where this nation is going. Don't vote for needs. Vote for your values. For what's important. So if you're deciding who to vote for by how it will benefit you, what they will give, give me, friend, friend, you'll be surely disappointed. Because the government, any government, I'm not talking about the government, I'm talking about any government, they don't have a good track record. They never quite get it right. And, of course, you do understand, right, the government has no money of its own. Oh, we've got no, 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 it's my money, it's your money. (laughs) They don't have any money of their own. They 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 take it from you. Yeah. I remember Reuben when he looked at his pay slip a while back for the first time <laughs> and going, oh my goodness, that's a lot of... The, are you telling me the government takes this much? Here? I was like, yeah, they take that much. They take that much. The government actually doesn't have any money of its own. The only power it has is to take from some and give it to Others, they take it from you, and then they give it back as some kind of benefit, like they're doing you a favor and we're silly enough to go. That's nice.
1: <laughs>
0: to the believer here today, let me remind you, as well I say, don't vote for your need, because to every believer, I need to remind you, who is your source. Philippians 4 verse 19. This is why you don't have to worry about, well, I don't know if that happens and they do that and what happens. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Your God shall supply all your needs. Come on. your your God come on my God come on you say my God my God my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches it's not what this government has or that government has or what they can do or what they can do no no our trust is not in some government our trust is in the king of kings and the lord of lords the everlasting God who will reign forever and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign in David's throne and over his kingdom somebody get excited in here Established and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forever, and he shall reign forever. These governments come, they got here today, gone tomorrow. So how do we participate? What should what should guide us to vote? Seek his kingdom first. And I said we should vote our values. As Christians, really, what I'm saying is we should vote his values. Vote his values first. Anything that takes God's place is out of place. Vote his values. As a nation, we must get out of shit, and we must get out of that place of compromise. We must. I want to play a clip by Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. and, and It's just a sound clip, and it's something I've heard. You may have seen it on Instagram, just a short, but I've got a longer one. This is about four minutes long. But I think it just captures the heart. When I hear it, it's like, it stirs my heart. I, I, I've met, the first time I met Samuel Rodriguez was just in the elevator. I didn't know who he was. I was at a conference and he was one of the speakers. I, didn't, I, didn't even, I hadn't even looked at who the speakers, speakers were. And I was in an elevator with him because we were staying in the same hotel. And I was like, this guy is intense. And you can he- hear the intensity here. Yeah, this is in a full on Pentecostal church. If you think we're crazy, you should hear these guys. Well, you will hear them. But let's listen to what he said around this kind of kind of space. Let's play, play that
1: clip. First question. am I right? First question. Boom. Pastor Stam. I go, "Yes. On behalf of our team, our board, we have one question for you. I go, "Wow, what is your question?" The guy goes. Pastor Stam. Our church leans left. Where do you lean? Am I making this up? So help me. So many thoughts went through my head. I'm thinking they're going to ask, are you going to have a Spanish service? Are you going to have a Slavic service? No. Our church leans left. Where do you lean? And the Holy Spirit hit me. I'm seated right here. He's next to me over here. I'm here, Holy Spirit hit me and said, go ahead, say it. And I'm fighting with God like, if I say, I'm gonna lose this, which I did. I said, if I say it, I'm not gonna get this. If I say it, I'm not gonna, and God said, say it. Say it, Sammy, say it. So reluctantly, I had no choice. I opened up my mouth and said, sir, with great due deference, we don't lean, we stand, we stand, we stand, we stand on the Word of God, we stand on the promise of the God, we stand on the finished work of Jesus, and the matter of fact sir, whatever the Bible calls sin, we call sin, whatever the Bible calls holiness, we call holiness, it's I'm tired of seeing Christians leading one way or another. We don't need people to lead. We need a church that stands. I need you to tell your neighbor, I don't lead. I stand. I stand. I stand. I stand. Is there anyone standing in the house? To- if you don't lean and you stand lift up one hand if i'm tired of seeing pastors and oh boy we'll get in trouble i'm tired of seeing churches that lean and christians that lean and believers that lean and artists and preachers that lean we don't need a church that leans. We need a church that stands. I feel the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16:13. Be on the alert. Stand. Stand firm. Oh please, I'm, I'm I need you please to shake your neighbor and tell him don't lean, stand. Tell your other neighbor don't lean, stand. Stand up for biblical truth. Stand up for righteousness and justice. Stand up for our children! I said, stand up for our... Stand up for holy sexuality. Stand up for la familia. Stand up for godliness, stand up for life, for religious liberty, for biblical justice, for racial unity, for the gospel. And by the way, do me a favor, and I'm speaking to myself now, don't just stand inside the church. Stand up in the school board meeting. Stand up in the voting booth, stand up in Target, stand up wherever you go, is there anybody here willing to stand?
0: Okay. Anna, could you play the keyboard like that? Uh, that That was just like, she's like, no. Abraham Lincoln said be sure you have put your feet in the right place and then stand put your feet on the word of God on the word of God Uh, listen you stand for nothing you will fall for everything Ali Beth Stuckey, Stuckey said this politics matter because policies matter because people matter and policies affect people Vote his values, not your needs. Don't be fooled by the lollies. Do your research, then make your choice. There will be no perfect party. And remember, voting isn't a marriage. You are not waiting for the one. Voting is public transport. You're getting on a bus, and if there isn't, a bus going exactly where you want to go, to the destination that you want to go. You don't stay at home and sulk. You must take the one that's going closest to where you want to be. Where do you want this nation to be? Where do you want this nation to go? As I close, I just want to say, you have no right to mope if you don't vote. That's my poem for today. You have no right to mope if you don't vote. Pray and participate. It's your civic duty. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Got that out of the way. Thank you very much. Would you stand? You know, as I close, I again just want to remind you that we do serve a king of kings. These governments, they come, they go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They'll come, they'll go. But he reigns forever. a 100 years from now, probably none of you will be here. So where will you spend eternity? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Pastor, you don't know how bad I am. Friend, the gospel is not about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. It's about what he has done. He made a way where there seems to be no way. He doesn't say change and then you can follow me. He says, follow me and you will change. Oh, the church is full of hypocrites and there is always room for one more. Can I hear an amen? Because we need him. We can't do it. Have you given your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? You never know, I'll do it later. You never know when your life will end. Man is destined to die and face judgment. There will be a day. You say, oh, wow, it's down the track. One of our pastors this week lost their lives in a car accident in Levin. Coming back, actually, from the conference. They'd gone to wow, coming back from the conference, they crashed in Levin, Gone but we know where she's going. Do you know where you're going? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Life has many choices. Eternity only has two. Get right with God. Don't mess around. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God right now. If that's you, I want to pray a prayer that just says, Lord, thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up and just say, Pastor, I, I need to get right with God today. I don't want anyone leaving without without having that opportunity. Don't harden your heart. Anyone else? You need to get right with God today. Just put your hand up. I'm going to pray a prayer that just... Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? If you're here today and you know you should put your hand up, but you're not, you're just in the fear of man. Don't the Fear of man is a sneer. Just, put, just go, I, I need to get right with God. Don't mess with your eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you. We're going to pray this prayer together. Everyone, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Today I turn from my sin and turn towards you. I give my life to you. Be sovereign over my life from this day forward. This I pray in Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together for all those who said yes to Jesus? Hallelujah. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, as on your way out, we have one of our pastors holding a gift pack. It's got a New Testament in it. Grab it. It's for you. Keep coming to church. Keep allowing God to work in your life. And this week, seek, pray, and participate in this nation's destiny. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love talking about politics. Come and have a coffee with me. Come on. God bless you. The service is over. Remember Richard Black next week. Richard Black next week. And if you need prayer for anything, the prayer station is over here. And Chris and Kay are willing and happy to pray for and with you. For